0: reassuring us about our reasonable and rational faith in the lord
1: here's pastor ed ray faith is not gullibility faith is not an irrational commitment to beliefs despite evidence to the contrary there's a great deal of evidence to support faith granted god is unseeable but that doesn't mean he's not touchable granted you cannot see the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is among you, Jesus said, and it's true today.
0: Zion, I, I built with hands, and in this place, God, to dwell with man. Sick be healed in the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom filled with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Said, let this world know me by your love. Often our faith is pitted against science. Yet the scientist believes his science and the Christian his God for the same reason. There's good evidence, and it's reasonable to do so. Well, hello and welcome to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. If you were with us last time, you'll remember we were exploring the subject of our faith in God and what encourages it. We continue in that theme as we make our way through Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And when it comes to faith, there's something we all have in common. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, picking up in verse 2, here's Pastor Ed.
1: But now, Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith, again, your faith and love. Now, he links love and faith together, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Evangelizo, we evangelized, brought you the good news, he says, and the good news of your faith and your love. Faith and love are linked together. When you find yourself not being loving, your faith is under attack. Maybe it's running low. Lovely lady came up to me last night. She said, I guess I'm out of faith. I said, why is that? She says, I don't love people anymore. I'm so sick of this world. It's going to hell in the handbasket. Our nation is going to pot, literally. and, and, And I don't want to tell people about God anymore. I said, well, your faith is struggling. Let me pray for you. I did but that's what happens. That's the indicator. That's the barometer. That's the gauge that tells you your faith is upside down. That when you don't love people, when you don't feel like telling them about Jesus, when you don't care that 35% of the world does not have a witness for Jesus Christ, that there are 1.2 billion Muslims in the world that do not have a witness of Jesus Christ that there are almost a billion Hindus in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. God has given us this great privilege to go and share his love with them, like we're reading about that happened in the first century. If you are not moved by people spending eternity separated from God, your faith has been depleted by the tempter. And God wants to restore it here this morning. God has sent out couples from this church that have done, I can't name the countries that they're in, but I'll tell you that we have a couple from this church that work in West Africa in a complete Muslim country, at least the statistics. They have two children, preschoolers, and they're witnessing the Muslims every day, and they have led many of them to Christ. We have another couple from the church that's working right in the middle of the war zone. I mean, Iraq, Afghanistan. They have three kids. And right now this morning, they're witnessing and they're teaching a Bible study to ex-Muslims who met Jesus. This world is filled with people that need to know about Jesus. He's coming. He's coming soon. We'll talk about that at the end. So if you don't love, if you don't care right now, cry out to God and say, God, change my heart. My faith is under attack. My faith and love need to be married together. Satan stole my faith. Therefore, brethren, verse 7, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Again. Paul says he himself was encouraged by hearing about how well they were doing. He led them to Christ. So they're still walking with the Lord. He's excited about it. I get letters from, we have a lot of folks that have moved from California. Why would they want to leave California? I I got a letter this week from a gal, a a mom and uh, her kids and her husband are in Kansas. And they wrote me this really nice letter. They, They were here eight years ago for a long time. And they left eight years ago. And they said, you know, we miss the church and we watch you on the internet, but God has graciously blessed many people here and I hear about it. Just want to share it with you so you know that it's working. Verse 8, for now we live. It infuses life into us, Paul says, since, not if, but since you stand fast in the Lord. We heard about it and we're excited about it. Verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God for you? We are so thankful for the Lord. We thank the Lord for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God. We're excited because you're doing well. I have no greater joy, John said, than to hear that my children walk in truth. And and Paul's saying the same thing. He's excited about it. Verse 10, night and day praying exceedingly. I pray for you all the time, Paul says, that we may see your face. That very intense Greek phrase, to hold someone's face in your hands and look at them, like your mom did when she pulled your cheeks and said, you cute little thing, that's what it means. And perfect what is lacking in your faith. What's lacking in their faith? Now, Paul's not pointing out that they were in trouble, that he's not criticizing them. He's saying that they're growing like we all are, that nobody has arrived. The sanctification... Being set aside for Christ is a process, and it takes all our lives. So you're lacking things. I'm lacking things. And don't stop growing. There's more. That's what Paul is saying. God is calling some of you to go to the mission field. You're not going to be able to keep avoiding it. He's talking right now. Don't stop growing. There's more. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father. Now Paul goes into this beautiful blessing. It's really a prayer, the last three verses. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. May he bring us back to you. Verse 12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So make you grow and love people even more that your faith would be encouraged. Verse 13, that he may establish your hearts blameless. Blameless? It doesn't say sinless. This is blameless. Well, how do you get blameless? Well, you confess your sins, because if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive your sins. That's what he said. His promise is that when we confess, say the same thing God says about what I did. God, I blew it, and it was sin. He says, forgiven, it. and it's done. It's gone, and you're blameless in holiness before our God and Father. But Paul is talking about something coming. Before God our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints, for the third time, Paul encourages them and you and I that Jesus is coming again. Oh, pastor, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Yes, but they didn't have the North Koreans 2,000 years ago. Yes, but they didn't have the Iranians cranking out yellow cake. It only takes 22 pounds of plutonium to reach critical mass, and boom-oh, we have a hydrogen bomb. Jesus is coming. All you have to do is look at the news. He's coming soon. That's what Paul is talking about. And he's coming with all his saints. All of those who have died and left their bodies in the ground, their soul and spirit went with him. And he's coming again. We're going to see that he's coming to bring back and collect all the bodies in chapter 4. Read ahead. It's a great chapter. You'll love it. It's amazing stuff. He's coming, and he's going to take us all with him. Okay, faith, your faith right now, this morning, this moment in time, how is your faith? Best illustration I know about faith is an old one. And you've probably heard it before, probably told by thousands of pastors over the years, but I mean to encourage you with it and ask you to reach out to God for more faith. Okay, so it's a civil war, right at the end of it, and a pastor in the south has lost everything. Church burned to the ground, family home, the parsonage destroyed, uh, wife and children gone. And so he decides to push the restart button and go west. True story. And uh, it's the dead of winter. It's the last week of January, first week of February, and it's freezing cold. And he gets to the Mississippi River and he goes to cross the bridge he's familiar with and it's bombed out, it's gone from the Civil War. And so he walks down to the bank of the river and he looks out and it's a sheet of ice. And so he takes a rock and he throws it out and it slides across the ice. He looks around for the biggest rock he can pick up and he throws it out, it hits and slides out. And so he starts to walk out and all of a sudden his knees start knocking together, and he's afraid. So he gets down on his hands and knees. Now, I apologize for the theatrics, but I want you in this story, okay? (laughs) I want you to own this story this week. And so he's on his hands and knees, and uh, river ice like that wobbles. It goes up and down, right? And so every time he does this, it buckles. And this, it's a half a mile wide at this spot frozen. He doesn't know how thick it is in the middle of this black ice that looks like he's going to go through it. So he's doing this, this fast, half-mile, hands are freezing. He gets out to just about the middle, he said, and he hears a noise behind him. He thinks, oh no, it's cracking, and he can't swim. And and so he he turns around and he looks, and it's an African-American guy, an old black man with white hair, and he's coming down the riverbank in a wagon filled with coal, with four horses in front of him, and he's singing at the top of his lungs. And when he gets to the river's edge, he doesn't even slow down. He cracks the whip and the horses pull out onto the ice and he's going along and he's heading right towards the pastor and the ice is doing this. The pastor is ready to die and he comes up beside him. He's singing, Swing low, sweet chariot. And he looks over and he says, Good morning, parson. And he keeps right on going past him, clear to the other side. The pastor's a little embarrassed. Gets up. Step out on the ice.
0: You've been listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace, providing some encouraging insights from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 on our faith and the solid evidence for it. Evidence our enemy seeks to undermine. Now with the conclusion of today's lesson on faith, beginning with what our faith is linked to, and then what we look forward to by faith again, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, And verse 6 nears Pastor Ed.
1: You see, we all struggle in this area to us from you and brought us good news of your faith, again, your faith and love. Now, he links love and faith together and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Evangelizo, we evangelized, brought you the good news, he says, and the good news of your faith and your love. Faith and love are linked together. When you find yourself not being loving, your faith is under attack. Maybe it's running low. Lovely lady came up to me last night. She said, I guess I'm out of faith. I said, why is that? She says, because I don't love people anymore. I'm so sick of this world. It's going to hell in the handbasket. Our nation is going to pot, literally. And, and, and I don't want to tell people about God anymore. I said, well, your faith is struggling. Let me pray for you. I did. But that's what happens. That's the indicator, that's the barometer, that's the gauge that tells you your faith is upside down. That when you don't love people, when you don't feel like telling them about Jesus, when you don't care that 35% of the world does not have a witness for Jesus Christ, that there are 1.2 billion Muslims in the world that do not have a witness of Jesus Christ that there are almost a billion Hindus in the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. God has given us this great privilege to go and share his love with them, like we're reading about that happened in the first century. If you are not moved by people spending eternity separated from God, your faith has been depleted by the tempter. And God wants to restore it here this morning. God has sent out couples from this church that have done, I can't name the countries that they're in, but I'll tell you that we have a couple from this church that work in West Africa in a complete Muslim country, at least the statistics. They have two children, preschoolers, and they're witnessing the Muslims every day, and they have led many of them to Christ. We have another couple from the church that's working right in the middle of the war zone. I mean, Iraq, Afghanistan. They have three kids. And right now this morning, they're witnessing and they're teaching a Bible study to ex-Muslims who met Jesus. This world is filled with people that need to know about Jesus. He's coming. He's coming soon. We'll talk about that at the end. So if you don't love, if you don't care right now, cry out to God and say, God, change my heart. My faith is under attack. My faith and love need to be married together. Satan stole my faith. Therefore, brethren, verse seven, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Again, Paul says he himself was encouraged by hearing about how well they were doing. He led them to Christ. So they're still walking with the Lord. He's excited about it. I get letters from, we have a lot of folks that have moved from California. Why would they want to leave California? I I got a letter this week from a gal, a a mom and uh, her kids and her husband are in Kansas and they wrote me this really nice letter. They, They were here eight years ago for a long time and they left eight years ago. And they said, you know, we miss the church and we watch you on the internet, but God has graciously blessed many people here And I hear about it. Just want to share it with you so you know that it's working. Verse 8. For now we live. It infuses life into us, Paul says. Since, not if, but since you stand fast in the Lord. We heard about it and we're excited about it. Verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you? We are so thankful for the Lord. We thank the Lord for you. For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God. We're excited. Because you're doing well. I have no greater joy, John said, than to hear that my children walk in truth. And and Paul's saying the same thing. He's excited about it. Verse 10, night and day praying exceedingly. I pray for you all the time, Paul says, that we may see your face. That very intense Greek phrase, to hold someone's face in your hands and look at them, like your mom did when she pulled your cheeks and said, you cute little thing. That's what it means. And perfect what is lacking. In your faith, what's lacking in their faith? Now, Paul's not pointing out that they were in trouble; that he's not criticizing them. He's saying that they're growing like we all are. That nobody has arrived. The sanctification, being set aside for Christ, is a process, and it takes all our lives. So you're lacking things. I'm lacking things, and don't stop growing. There's more. That's what Paul is saying. God is calling some of you to go to the mission field. You're not going to be able to keep avoiding it. He's talking right now. Don't stop growing. There's more. Verse 11. Now, may our God and Father. Now, Paul goes into this beautiful blessing. It's really a prayer, the last three verses. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. May he bring us back to you. Verse 12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So, make you grow and love people even more your, that your faith would be encouraged. Verse 13, that he may establish your hearts blameless. Blameless? It doesn't say sinless. It says blameless. Well, how do you get blameless? Well, you confess your sins because if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive your sins. That's what he said. His promise is that when we confess, say the same thing God says about what I did. God, I blew it and it was sin. He says, forgive it. And it's done. It's gone. And you're blameless in holiness before our God and Father. But Paul is talking about something coming. Before God, our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. For the third time, Paul encourages them and you and I that Jesus is coming again. Oh, pastor, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Yes, but they didn't have the North Koreans 2,000 years ago. Yes, but they didn't have the Iranians cranking out yellow cake. only takes 22 pounds of plutonium to reach critical mass and boom-oh, we have a hydrogen bomb. Jesus is coming. All you have to do is look at the news. He's coming soon. That's what Paul is talking about. And he's coming with all his saints. All of those who have died and left their bodies in the ground, their soul and spirit went with him. And he's coming again. We're going to see that he's coming to bring back and collect all the bodies in chapter four. Read ahead, it's a great chapter. You'll love it. It's amazing stuff. He's coming and he's going to take us all with him. Okay, faith. Your faith right now, this morning. This moment in time. How is your faith? Best illustration I know about faith is an old one. And you've probably heard it before, probably told by thousands of pastors over the years. But I mean to encourage you with it and ask you to reach out to God for more faith. Okay, so it's... A civil war, right at the end of it, and a pastor in the south has lost everything. Church burned to the ground, family home, the parsonage destroyed, uh, wife and children gone. And so he decides to push the restart button and go west, true story. And uh, it's the dead of winter, it's the last week of January, first week of February, and it's freezing cold. And he gets to the Mississippi River and he goes to cross the bridge he's familiar with and it's bombed out, it's gone from the Civil War. And so he walks down to the bank of the river and he looks out and it's a sheet of ice. And so he takes a rock and he throws it out and it slides across the ice. He looks around for the biggest rock he can pick up and he throws it out, it hits and slides out. And so he starts to walk out and all of a sudden his knees start knocking together, and he's afraid. So he gets down on his hands and knees. Now, I apologize for the theatrics, but I want you in this story, okay? <laughs> I want you to own this story to, this week. And so he's on his hands and knees, and uh, river ice like that wobbles. It goes up and down, right? And so every time he does this, it buckles in this. It's a half a mile wide at this spot, frozen. He doesn't know how thick it is. In the middle, of it's black ice. It looks like he's going to go through. So he's doing this, this fast, half mile. His hands are freezing. He gets out to just about the middle, he said, and he hears a noise behind him. He thinks, oh, no, it's cracking, and he can't swim. And, and so he, he turns around and he looks, and it's an African-American guy, an old black man with white hair, and he's coming down the riverbank in a wagon filled with coal with four horses in front of him and he's singing at the top of his lungs. And when he gets to the river's edge, he doesn't even slow down. He cracks the whip and the horses pull out onto the ice and he's going along and he's heading right towards the pastor and the ice is doing this. A pastor is ready to die and he comes up beside him. He's singing, swing low, sweet chariot. And he looks over and he says, good morning, parson. And he keeps right on going past him, clear to the other side. Pastor's a little embarrassed. Gets up, step out on the ice.
0: Pastor Ed Ray encouraging us to step out in faith. Whatever God calls you to do and wherever God calls you to go, you can trust the Lord is able to bless you and keep you. This is Grow in Grace. And for a CD copy of today's message from First Thessalonians, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to packinghouse.org and look for our radio page. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. God is doing a great work through radio, and you can be a part of it. When you support us with a gift of any amount we want to say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers from well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attribute of God from God's infinitude to His immutability, grace, and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you The Knowledge of the Holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace, just call us at 844-77 Grace. That's 844-77 Grace. And then join us next weekend as together we grow in Grace through a study in First Thessalonians with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Side. God to dwell with man Sick be healed in the crippled stands Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your love